how many of you guys have had an experience where you thought that somebody was close to you, somebody was your friend in your mind, and they stabbed, put a knife in your back? You had that experience? Um, so who do you know? Let me, let me ask you this question. Who do you know who has had more of those kinds of experiences than anybody else? You don't have to say their name. I just, just want you to think about who's the person who you think has been burned by people that they loved more than anybody else? Some of you are going, well, that's me. Any thoughts? Jesus. I think Jesus has been hurt by more people than any, anybody else in history. You know why? Because every one of us in this room put a knife in his back. Every one of us in this room put a nail in his hand. Everybody in this room added to the pain that he experienced on the cross. So what we're doing is we're going through the book of Luke, and uh, we're going to keep going through Luke, and I want you guys to think, especially as we're looking at 2018, we're getting started in this new year, um, just what, what God has planned for your lives and what the devil has planned for your lives. What does the devil want to do in your life in 2018? What do you think, God, what do you think the devil wants to do? He wants to kill you. And what does he care more? What does he care about doing more against you than just ending your physical life? He wants you to turn away from God. Yeah, to turn away from God. That's that's the devil's scheme for your life in 2018. And he's going to do whatever he can to destroy your faith in God. Expect that. I think some of the times we don't expect that. We're just like, well, you know, the devil's off, you know, somewhere. The devil's strategy in your life is to appear uninterested in you. The devil is interested in you because the people in this room, God has a plan to use to change the world. And if the devil has his way, then you're not going to even trust God anymore. So that's the devil's scheme. And, the, the, and as what we talk about tonight is we're going to talk about some ways that the devil is planning to destroy your faith in God. And we're going to look, we're going to realize that in this story, this account by Dr. Luke in the life of Jesus in regards to Judas. So let's look at um, chapter 22, Luke 22. We've been going through the book of Luke and we're, we're at the point where Jesus is just about to be put to death. Luke 22 verse 1 and this is part of this is uh, we're reading some of the verses we read a couple weeks ago. But now the feast of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. Remember we talked about that, the seven feasts of the Old Testament and this is the, the Passover feast where, where Jesus is going to be put to death. In verse 2, the chief priest and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus. For they were afraid of the but for they were afraid of the people. So they're looking for a way to put Jesus to death. Their plan is to put death the author of life. They don't understand who he is, but they know that if he gets his way, that their kingdom is going to be disrupted, and they're afraid of what the Romans are going to do, and so they want him dead. So verse 3: Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. Kind of like what we saw in the skit just now between Manny and, and Miles. They were delighted. The chief priests and the, the temple guards were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. So here's what we're doing tonight. We're looking at lessons from the life of Judas. 
You know, when you we studied the Bible, we always like lessons from the life of King David or lessons from the life of Joseph or the lessons from the, from the life of Jesus or John the Baptist. But we usually think about Jesus' life doesn't have any lessons to give us, right? But, it, but there are some things that I want us to learn from, um, from Judas' life, especially as we're thinking about what Satan's scheme is for our lives in 2018. Guys, we want this next year to be the best year yet. As we look back at 2017, every one of us, if we thought through the 365 days that are finishing up this year, every one of us can say, yeah, you know what, there's probably some things that I could have done better. But tonight, as we're looking at this historical account of Dr. Luke, we want to see what we can do to follow Jesus in 2018 and not make the mistakes that Judas made. And not make the mistakes that Satan is scheming to get you to make. Okay, so some things about Judas, okay? Let's just talk about Judas, some lessons from the life of Judas. First thing is Judas, first thing we know about Judas, you guys don't usually think about this, but Judas was chosen by Jesus. You guys know this? Jesus chose Judas. Let's look at Mark 3, okay? So you guys can need your Bibles tonight. This isn't going to make sense if you don't have your Bibles. So Mark 3, verse 13, Jesus says this. Okay, Mark 3, 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. So, so we read in, another, in one of the other Gospels that Jesus spends the whole night in prayer. He's praying, he's praying, he's praying. He gets up in the morning, and he's like, I'm choosing 12 guys who are going to be a part of my team. And he has a plan to take those 12 guys and change the world with them. So he, cho- he, he prays all night, and he calls to them. Notice what he says about these, these 12 guys that he, he calls. He calls to him those he wanted i'd circle that and they came to him i'd circle that he appointed 12 and designated them as apostles what does, what does that mean what does he mean that he designated them as apostles that they might be here's he tells us three things about these apostles that they're going to be with him that he might send them out to preach okay he's going to spend time with them he's going to send them out to preach and he's going to give them authority to cast out demons okay you guys get it 12 guys so what does this tell us about the relationship with judas and jesus first of all jesus jesus wanted to be with judas just understand this guys how do when jesus looks at judas how does he feel about him he wants to be with judas he called them as he wanted you see that in verse 13 he liked judas Jesus liked Judas. He cared about Judas. So first thing is, Jesus wanted Judas with him. Second thing is, Judas, notice this? Judas is one of the 12. Doesn't tell him about him specifically, but the 12, they came to him. Judas came to Jesus. Think about all the people that you've prayed for in times past, like, Lord, would you bring my friend Bob to you? And then, because you prayed, God moves in your friend Bob's heart. Bob comes to Jesus. Judas came to Jesus. You guys, we always, we always think about Judas being such a bad guy. Judas came to Jesus. He came to him. He came to him. He joined Jesus' community. He listened to him. He prayed with him. He ate with him. He camped out with him. He did ministry with him. He sacrificed part of his life, all the other things that he would have been doing. He sacrificed so that he could be on Jesus' team. And he sacrificed those things because he believed 
He believed that being with Jesus and being part of Jesus' team was going to be worth it. Okay? So Jesus wanted Judas with him. Judas wanted to be with Jesus. Now, something else I want you guys to notice is that it says here, Jesus appointed how many? Twelve. It doesn't say Jesus appointed eleven and thought, well, this guy, well, I guess I got I to gotta die somehow, so let's bring this guy along. Do you guys understand? Jesus appoints Judas for ministry. This is important, guys. He appoints Jesus for ministry. And he designates Judas as, first of all, a disciple, a guy that's going to learn from him. And then he designates Judas as an apostle, a guy who's going to represent Jesus in ministry. So, says right here three things about an apostle. He's going to be with them. He's going to hang out with him. He's going to end up smelling like Jesus, acting like Jesus. He's going to send Judas out to preach. Preacher Judas. Pastor Judas. He sends him out to preach, and he sends him out. He gives him authority so that, he, that Judas has authority as a disciple, as an apostle, to cast out demons and to heal the sick. In fact, that happens later on. So first of all, just, you know, if you guys take notes, write this down. Judas was chosen by Jesus. Second thing, Judas had a significant part on Jesus' team. What was Judas' part on Jesus' team? What was that? He was the guy with, the, yeah, he's got the money. He had the wall in his back pocket that Miles took. No, sorry. I got something confused there. So, okay, he was the guy with the money. Now, why did he, why of the 12 disciples, these 12 guys that Jesus is training, why does Judas end up as being the guy who carries the money bag? He was trusted. You know what? I think he was trusted. He, people assume that he was a guy who could be trusted with money. And I think Judas also probably was gifted in that area. I mean, you guys know some people, I won't mention any names, but you give them money and they, and they can't figure out what happened to it. You guys know that? Maybe your mom or dad, maybe your sister. Okay, and then you got other people, it's like you give them money and it's like somehow they take that and they, they multiply it. Okay, somehow Judas apparently... They, they've, they've entrusted Judas because of the gifting, because of the quality of person that he is. He's got the ability to handle money. And they expect him to be able to do it. That's just, I think that's significant. Judas was trusted by the people on his, on his team. Now we find out that Jesus, Jesus knows from the beginning that Judas is going to betray him. But he doesn't tell people that. He doesn't talk about, guys, what is Judas really going to do to us? He, he knows we're told that Judas is going to betray him. But he still lets the guys trust him and trusts ministry and healing power and leadership and holding the money to this guy, Judas. Okay, so first thing is Jesus, Judas was chosen by Jesus. Second thing is that Judas had a significant part on Jesus' team. And third thing that we know about Judas is Judas looked like Judas looked like a guy who was a good guy. He looked good, right? I mean, he, he's, he's a guy who goes out and preaches and heals and casts out demons. Judas, Judas was the guy who was going to Hawaii with Victoria on the mission trip. I mean, he, he was there. He's doing it. I mean, of all the people that, that could have been sent out, Judas was one of those that Jesus sent out. And then later, when, when Jesus sends out 72 people, he's trained the... These 12 people to teach 72 people how to do ministry? Judas is part of that training. 
And then think about when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. Remember when they, they come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Judas is a part of that. Judas learns how to pray. And then, do you remember in John 6, when Jesus is saying some things that are really offensive to the people, and everybody's like, I'm out of here. This is weird. And Jesus, you remember when Jesus like, you guys want to go too? You guys remember this? And Judas, it would have been an easy place for Judas to say, you know what? I'm out of here. But Judas sticks around. And I think, you know, we don't know for sure what was going through his mind, but I think he sticks around because somehow he's, he, he wants to see Jesus succeed. Now, of course, he's, he wants to see Jesus succeed for his own benefit, but I don't think he understands all that. But he sticks with Jesus when he could have abandoned him at that point. And then in John 13, like, Judas looks like a good guy because in John 13, he's, he's participating in worship. So the night before Jesus is put to death, but there's a worship experience happening when they, when they participate in this Passover meal. And Judas experiences this worship experience with Jesus like he's done all, all during the time that he's been being trained by Jesus. In fact, he, experiences, he participates in worship to the point where he takes communion with Jesus. You guys remember this? When Jesus puts the, he takes the bread and he dips it in the dish and he, and he hands it to Judas. And this, this guys, I think this, that, that meal was an act of worship. Okay? So Judas looks like he's a good guy. From everybody's perspective, he's not a bad guy. And then, even, and then also, just think about the, the relationship that he portrays with Jesus so that when he, Jesus is in the, in the garden praying on the night that He's being betrayed, and even while Judas is, be, is betraying him, Judas still acts like he's a best friend, just like Miles and Manny were acting, right? I mean, even after this betrayal, from everybody else's perspective, Judas is still looking like a good guy, okay? Another thing we know about Judas is that he's got some messed up priorities, right? Judas has got bad priorities. Can you think of how? Can you think of any place where his prior, what's that? Exactly. You remember, you remember Mary in this expression of passionate love for Jesus? She takes this bottle of perfume that could have been sold for a year's wage. I don't know how much that is, but I mean, this is obviously something that is very, very precious. And she breaks it and pours it on Jesus' feet. And Judas is going, Oh, I can't believe she just wasted that on Jesus. And here's the deal. Judas's priorities are messed up because he thinks the mission is more important than Jesus. You guys think about this? You guys know anybody like this? Where the show's got to go on, man. We got, we got a church to run here. And would people just stop bothering us? This is why the way that Judas is thinking that he's got this agenda that doesn't have to do with worshiping Jesus. He's interested in setting up a kingdom that will put him in a good position. And he, when he sees passionate worship of Jesus, he doesn't realize that that is the mission. Guys, let me just say that our mission isn't any mission at all unless it's mission that's directed towards worship of Jesus. That's what we're about. I mean, who cares about a cool meeting? Who cares about a cool sermon? Who cares about a cool pastor? Who cares about cool hamburgers or coffee shop? I mean, all of it stinks if it doesn't bring glory to Jesus. 
And, you know, this is the challenge for those of us who are in ministry to stop trying to make the ministry, make, we're going to have a cool concert. I mean, who cares about the music? Who cares about that if it doesn't bring glory to Jesus? Because I want to—I want this community to be a community of people that, are, that if, if we're known for anything, we're not known for cool coffee or good hamburgers or free hamburgers or even good teaching. But just more than anything, I want us to be a, the kind of community that's like, like Mary was. Like, whatever it costs, I'm in love with Jesus. And I'll break anything that everybody else calls valuable if I could just show my love to him. But... Judas's priorities are messed up because he can't, he doesn't understand that. Okay, something else we know about Judas. Well, let me ask, maybe I should put this in question form. Let me ask you guys, did Jesus pay for Judas's sins when he died on the cross? Yes, thank you. You guys got great theology. Jesus paid for Judas's sins. Judas's sins were paid for 100% when Jesus paid on the cross with his blood. Judas' sins were paid for. Now, some, t- some people don't understand, but how do, we, how do you know that Jesus paid for Judas' sins? That's right. Thank you. Do you know where it says it? But you know it says it. Okay. This, well, thank you. I'm glad you know that it says it in the Bible. And this is a good reason why you guys get three by five index cards and start to write these scriptures down and memorize them so that when somebody challenges you, you know how to respond. But thank you, Jennifer. Yes, where does it say that? First Timothy 2 5 says. <laughs> okay, first Timothy 2 5 and 6. God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth for there is one mediator and one, there is one God and one mediator between men and God, the man Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for most men. No, all men, all people. Jesus paid for all people. Good, excellent. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. Okay, well, any other scripture that, that goes along with that? Say it again. The, the reason I quiz you guys on these scriptures because they're important scriptures for you to know. We're, we, you, imagine being in the battle and not knowing where your gun is. Okay? This is like a battle. Thank you, Jennifer. This is like a battle. We are warring against the, the, the ideologies of people out there who are going to speak against you. And you have to know this scripture. You have to know where your gun is. You have to know where the sword is. Okay. Where does it, where, any other scriptures that talk about Jesus, that Jesus paid for the sins of all people like Jennifer just said? John 6, 360, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him. Okay, Jesus paid, so Jesus paid for, for the whole world. Okay, another scripture that's really important is 1 John 2, 2. And I would, I would make a note in your Bible to, for these two scriptures, the one that, that uh, Josh just mentioned, and also 1 John 2, 2, where it says he died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Is Judas included in the sins of the whole world? Yes. And what did Jesus do when he was on the cross? What did he say about forgiveness? You guys remember? He said, forgive them because they don't know what they do. Who's he speaking about? He's speaking about everybody. Does, is Judas included in that? I'm thinking, who, who had hurt Jesus, Jesus the most while he's being nailed on the cross there? Judas. I mean, think about the pain of your friend who you've poured into and cared for, and ate with, and lived with, and camped out with for, for all these years, and now he's, because of him, you're being nailed to the cross. 
And Jesus says, forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing. And Judas was included in that. Okay? Okay, so Judas' sins were paid for by Jesus' blood on the cross. Okay, sixth thing. Does that mean, well, I should, I'll ask this in a question form also. Does that mean that Judas was saved? Okay, two, two places where Jesus, Jesus talks about Judas not being saved. There's a couple other places also, but where specifically Jesus speaks about it. Jesus says in one place that it would have been better for Judas not to have been born. It would have been better for Judas not to have been born. Now that, to me, that implies that Judas, to not, to better to not be born means that you have no eternal hope. And one other scripture where Jesus says, um, he says, not, when he's praying, in John 17, remember he's praying, he says, not one of these has been lost except for the one that's doomed to destruction. Speaking of Judas. But Judas is doomed to destruction. So how can it be? So, so I think the, the, Bible teach, the Bible is teaching that Judas is not saved. That Judas is doomed. But how is it possible? Here, here's the theology that you guys are getting tonight. Hope you guys can focus on this. How is it possible that Jesus could pay for the sins of Judas on the cross and to speak forgiveness over him and Judas still up in, end up in hell? Because he didn't take it. Exactly. Same reason why there's thousands of people that you guys know who Jesus has paid for their sins and they still end up in hell. Did Jesus pay for their sins? Yes. He paid for their sins with his life and he'd do it again if it would make any difference. I believe he'd do it again, but it won't make any difference. It's already been paid in full. Why, do you, why, would he need to, why would Jesus need to die a second time? Well, he doesn't. The payment has been made in full, but nobody is forced into heaven. You guys understand, there's two kinds of people in the world. Two, there's people who want God to rule their lives, and there's people who want to rule their own lives. And both ultimately get what they want. You understand? The people who say, God, I want you to rule my life, I want you to be my master, they get that for eternity. And the people who say, I don't want you to be my master, leave me alone, get that for eternity. That's hell. So, Jesus tells us the reason. I mean, the reason that anybody goes to hell, the reason that Judas goes to hell is the same reason that anybody goes to hell. It's not because their sins haven't been paid for, because the sins have been paid for. Are you guys hearing me? All those people out there have been paid for. Their sins have been paid for, but they do not receive the benefit of the payment for their sins because they refuse it. In your notes, write, write this verse down, 2 Thessalonians 2.10. I've mentioned this to lots of you before. They perish. They perish because why? What does 2 Thessalonians 2.10 say? They, 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 they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Why do people go to hell? It's not because their sins haven't been paid for. They go to hell because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. In other words, the, the, they reject the truth that they know. That makes sense? Second verse that you guys should write down in, in regards to this is Hebrews 10.26. Hebrews 10.26, if, does anybody know what that says? If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received knowledge for the truth, knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Here's the point, guys. That Jesus can pay for the sins of the whole world and people still go to hell because they refuse to accept the truth and so be saved. 
that they deliberately continue to walk away from him. And there's one verse where Jesus explains this in Mark 3. Guys, look at Mark 3. This is an important verse, Mark 3, and a lot of people have misunderstood this over the years, but Mark 3, 28. This is why people end up in hell, even though their sins have been paid for. Mark 3, 28, I tell you the truth. Jesus says, all the sins and all the blasphemies of humans will be forgiven. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. And people are a lot, people get confused over what that word blasphemy, what's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. What does Jesus say? What, what sins are forgiven? All sins are forgiven. Jesus paid for all sins. The only, the only sin that cannot be forgiven is a refusal to accept the gift of God that is offered to everybody. Does that make sense? That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's saying, God, I don't need your gift. I can make it on my own. Leave me alone. And that's the, that's the sin that ends people up in hell. And sadly to say, that is, that's, the, that's the state of almost every person that you share Jesus with over there. Like, I don't need that. I don't need it. Leave me alone. So Judas doesn't end up in hell because of some sins that he did. He ends up in hell because even though Jesus gives him, offers him forgiveness, he refuses that forgiveness. You guys notice the difference between how Judas responds to his sin and how Peter responded to his sin? And Peter, what did, what did Peter do? He denied Jesus. Like, I don't know him. I don't know him. Stop, leave me alone. I don't know that guy, right? And three times, right? And yet Peter has a different response when he realizes his sin than Judas does. What does Judas do when he realizes how bad he's been? He kills himself. He, he kills himself. Here's the message for us, guys, for all of us. Whatever you've done, forgiveness is available for you. Restoration is available for you. There's nothing you've done that forfeits you from the grace of God. And it's not like, you know, as we think, well, if, if, you'll, if, if we repent, then Jesus will forgive us. You know what? He's forgiven you. He's paid for your sin. It's done. Now, there's a benefit to saying, Jesus, I'm so sorry for what I did. But the payment for your sin has been made. The question is, will you accept that forgiveness? Will you accept this forgiveness and trust that what he did is enough for you? Simply, simply feeling miserable about something that you did wrong in 2017 is not the same thing as repentance. There's people, I mean, Judas felt bad about what he did. Like, I can't believe I did that. I'm going to kill myself. Just because you feel bad about something you did is not the same as repentance. Repentance is saying, I have lived wrong. I have done wrong. And I accept the grace of God, the forgiveness of God in my life, so it covers over all my sin, and I am free. That's what Peter ultimately does when he realizes his, that what, he's, what he's done wrong. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, it talks about the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow brings repentance and leads to salvation. Leads us to salvation, leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. You guys hear the difference between those two sorrows? How many of you guys have done stuff wrong? You're like, ah, I was so bad. 
I mean, there's things that I've done wrong in the past, and when I think about it, I'm just like, oh, Lord, would you, would you just, I don't ever want to think about that again. That was so stupid. I've done some stupid things. I've said some stupid things. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you. Um, we, we've all done things. We're just like, I can't believe that. But here's the go- godly sorrow is this. Godly sorrow brings, what, what, what is godly sorrow? According to this verse, it brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. That means you don't, you stop beating yourself up over it. Some of you guys did some really stupid things in 2017, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, some of us were just like, I can't believe I did that. You know what? Godly sorrow, the kind of sorrow that God invites you to participate in is like, God, I'm so sorry that was so stupid. And he says, we're not talking about it anymore. You're already forgiven. No regret. No more talking about it. Isn't it nice to have people like that in your life? It's like, we're not talking about it anymore. Instead of the, so many people in your life are like every time you're around them, they're like, you got this feeling like they're thinking about that bad thing that you did. But Jesus is not like that. So here's the question. Will you guys walk in that godly sorrow? Walk in, walk in that forgiveness? Or are you going to keep beating yourself up like the devil wants you to do for year after year? Some of, some of you, if you don't listen to me, you're going to spend the rest of your life beating yourself up over stupid things that you did in your past. And the devil's just like, yeah, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. And you stop, you, you turn off that channel. You turn off that lie from Satan. And you believe that you're forgiven. You walk in forgiveness. You accept the forgiveness that's available to you. And you live in it. That's godly sorrow. Okay. So, as we think about Judas's life, the lesson for us is this. Here, I just want to compare us with Judas for a second. Okay? Judas was chosen by Jesus, right? You're chosen by Jesus. Jesus wanted to be with Judas. Jesus wants to be with you. Jesus wants to be with you. You guys know Jesus wants to be with you? Jesus wants to be with you today and tomorrow. He likes you. He likes you. He really, really likes you. You guys got to get understand this. He's inviting you to be a part of his team because he likes you. He likes you. And you know what? Remember Judas came to Jesus? You know what? You've come to Jesus. You're here tonight because you came to Jesus. You're like, man, I, I, just, I just came here tonight because I got drug here. You know what? You came here tonight to be, in response to Jesus' call in your life, whether you realize it or not. Jesus gave Judas a significant job. Gave him the money, responsibility. Here's what I want you guys to get. Jesus has given you guys a significant job. You've been given a job to do. Some of you are like, I don't want a job. I just want to be here without anybody bothering me. Jesus gave you a job. We got a job to do. He's recruited you, and he's recruited you for a purpose. Not to just to sit around and watch everybody else make coffee. He's recruited you for a significant purpose at the cornerstone and, and the, on this planet. You guys got to believe that. He's recruited you. Are you going to do your job well? Or are you going to take a little bit of money out of the money bag for yourself? Like Judas did. Okay? Judas, Judas looked like a really good guy from everybody else's perspective. Some of you guys know how to make it look like you're really good from everybody else's perspective. Okay, in spite of all that stuff, Judas ultimately rejected Jesus. I want you guys to think, how can that happen? How could somebody who spent so much time with Jesus and learned so much 
and seen so much, how could they end up turning away from him and letting all that go and choose hell instead? Okay, two things. Two things in closing that I want you, I want you guys to think about in your own life. First of all, Judas, like I've already said, Judas's priorities were messed up. person who turns away from Jesus and chooses hell instead of life is a person who has messed up priorities. They got something that they want, and Jesus doesn't come through for them, and they finally get to the point where they say, the cost is greater than the benefit, and I'm out of here. That's what Judas did. Don't let anybody in this room do that. Tonight, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Guys, think about why you're following Jesus. Think about why you're here tonight. What is your priority? Judas's priorities were messed up. Your priority needs to be, Jesus, I serve you alone. You're my priority above all else. Okay, second, second reason that I see people turn away from him one of the so first, first, first major reason is their, their pri- Jesus doesn't like fulfill their, their priority list. Second reason, second huge reason, is they get offended. Jesus doesn't do, Jesus offends them. He doesn't do what they want him to do. Or Steve offends them. Or somebody at the cornerstone offends them. And their commitment is gone, they're done. They figure, if I don't get treated by people at the cornerstone the way that I deserve to be treated, then I'm out of here. There's people, there's people who should be a part of what God's doing here at the cornerstone right now who have walked away from community because they weren't treated right. Is that the, is that the level of your commitment to Jesus? So as I'm, I was thinking about this, I was thinking, God, is, was there some place where Judas was offended by Jesus? Was there some place where Jesus treated Judas in a way that made Judas think, fine, I'm out of here. And, and as I was going through this afternoon, I realized there's a connection between the story that Jessica just mentioned and what Judas does next. So let's look at that. Then we're going to close right here. Matthew 26. Matthew 26, 8. When the disciples saw this. This is, this is Mary pouring the, pouring the ointment on Jesus' feet and, and worshiping him in this expression, this expensive expression of love. Matthew 26, verse 8. Guys, if you don't open your Bibles, you're not going to get this. Verse, verse 8, when the disciples saw this, it doesn't say Judas by name right here, but we find out from John that it's actually Judas who says this. They were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and money given to the poor. It doesn't, it doesn't say that it's Judas here, but if you look in John, it's, it's Judas. Verse 10, aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you guys bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor, you're always going to have you with you, but you will not always have me. In other words, let this woman worship me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Jesus knows that he's about to die. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And who's he speaking to? He's speaking to us, but who's, who's, who's he speaking to in this story? Who? 
Judas, his face. It's a, I mean, if you're just reading Matthew, you don't know who he's talking to. But you compare Matthew with John, you realize he's talking to Judas. He's saying, get off your high horse, Judas. Mellow out, man. This, get, this woman is worshiping me, and you need to get your brain thinking right. And how do you think Ju- Judas responds to this? Same way that all of you respond when Do Young talks to you in not, not a very nice way. No, sorry, not Do Young. Sorry, he always talks nice. Sorry. How do you say I'm sorry in, in Korean? What? Marianino. Something like that. Okay. 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 Now he's offended. Okay. Okay. Um. So, j- <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How do you get you guys laughing? Man, you guys are even tired during the break than you are during the semester. Uh, Judas responds. I mean, think about how Judas is feeling. He's like, I can't believe he just talked. I can't believe Jesus just talked to me like that. Doesn't he know how to treat people? And so what does Judas do next? Look what he does next. And see if there's any connection between this. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out 30 silver coins, and from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Do you guys think there's any connection between what Jesus just said to Judas and Judas going, I'm going to, I'm going to get my 30 coins? I think there's a connection. And I've never noticed the connection until today as I was going through this. Here, and here's the warning for us, my friends. Judas turns against Jesus because he thinks that Jesus treats him with, in a lesser way than what he deserves. And I've had enough. And I'm done. I'm done being, being treated like I'm some servant next to him. And Jesus walks out and turns his back on Jesus. Notice what, the, what we'd read earlier. That the devil put this in Judas's mind. Here, here's what I want you guys to think about again. How bad does somebody at the cornerstone have to treat you in 2018 so that a year from now you're no longer following Jesus? There's no way you won't follow Jesus. They, yes, that's, I mean, I'm amazed at how many people I've been with in ministry who have said, I will never stop following Jesus, who when I, tr- when I didn't treat them the way that they thought they deserved, I didn't see them again. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? I'm talking to you about this because it is the devil's plan to get somebody to offend you to the point where you're not doing it anymore. It's like, I've had enough. I'm done. I'm done. I will follow Jesus all only as long as they treat me right. Now, we'd never say that. But so many of us live like that. And I'm warning us. This is a warning, guys. The reason we're talking about the life of Judas is because I'm warning you that that's, that's going to be you. I got people that I've done ministry with, deep ministry, who have worshipped me with me and prayed with me who won't come to church anymore. They won't even talk to me because I didn't treat them right. This is horrific. And, I, and it's happened. This has happened so many times. Not always towards me. You know, it's Miles. Miles, you know, I walked in the corner, so Miles can say hi to me. I'm not going there anymore. You guys know what that's like. It wasn't Miles, by the way. Miles, Miles says hi to everybody. Sorry, man. How do you, how do you say? Oh, I guess it's English. Okay. I thought, I, I thought he might speak some. Well, he's, he's, he's a quarter Japanese, so. Okay, here's your test. How do you say I'm sorry in Japanese? Okay. It's gomenasai. Okay. You guys are hearing me. You guys hear what I'm saying? I'm asking you tonight 
tonight is a community of people. There's lots of people that aren't here because it's winter break and people are away. But those of you who are here with me tonight who are heading into 2018, would it be that all of us make up our mind that it doesn't matter what mom and dad do to us, doesn't matter what my older sister does to us. It doesn't matter what my small group leader did to us or how Pastor Gary didn't do his job the way that he was supposed to or whatever it is. Or Steve. Can't believe Steve ignored me again after he didn't even answer my text. <laughs> By the way, I do answer texts. Um, I hope. Uh, whatever, whatever the case is, because I'm inviting you. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. We're in this for the long haul. We're going to follow Jesus no matter what anybody else does. Remember the song that we used to sing? In fact, let's sing it. Where's Aaron? Can you listen to that? The none, the none Go With Me Still I'll Follow. Um, what's that song? I have decided to follow Jesus. Play it for us, man. Let's, let's end with that. But um, guys, as we sing this, that, this wasn't planned, by the way. Um, as we sing this, I just want to invite you guys, let's make this a statement, an anthem to the Lord, that, Lord, it doesn't matter if somebody treats me bad or not. And, he, and let me just say one more thing about this, is that there's people here who, who have been hurt by me. Who's been hurt by me? No, don't raise your hand. Um, there have been people here that have been hurt by me. Yeah, thanks, Everett. <laughs> you, you haven't been lo- around long enough to have been hurt by me, but I think tonight I hurt Do Young and Miles, so at least you guys can raise your hand. Okay, um, here's the deal. The longer we're in ministry together, the longer we live together, the longer that we fight and battle together, the more likely it is that we let people down. If you don't want to be let down by anybody, then you need to buy your house, yourself a, a, a house in the South Pole or something. Because if you're around people, they're going to let you down. And that cannot be an excuse to not follow Jesus. Okay? So let's, let's go ahead and let's sing that song together. I don't know if you get, can put it up here, but sorry, that was, I, I didn't think that far ahead of it. But um, you guys, I really do want to, we know the song. Let's sing the song as a commitment to following Jesus no matter what anybody else does. Okay? Is that Okay. <laughs>